Hi there, everybody. It's me once again, Mr. Smiley from Edmonton International Raceway. You're seeing me on the air again. That's right. We're back with season two of Turning Laps with Mr. Smiley presented by Edmonton International Raceway. This is season two's premiere episode with Roundtable Racing's Lucas and Jeremy Belbeck joining me for an interview a little bit later on. I also have some EIR news wrapping up our 55th year anniversary of racing at Edmonton International Raceway. I have a few points that I want to go over, just touch base briefly on it. But guess what, folks? I gotta say those words. The green flag is waving. Turn and laps. Mr. Smiley starts right now. Thank you once again, everybody, for tuning in to all of Season 1, all nine episodes of Turning Laps with Mr. Smiley. Once again, demand has been great for another season. So guess what? We just started our off-season at Edmonton International Raceway. So now I have to shift focus and bring everybody up to speed on what happened throughout the year and upcoming events that's going to be happening during the upcoming 2024 race season. Once again, I want to thank everybody that's tuned into my past episodes of Turning Laps with Mr. Smiley. Thank you for sharing, liking the podcast. Please continue to do so. I really do appreciate all the listeners out there. Without you guys, I wouldn't be doing this for Edmonton International Raceway. So thank you very much. All right, so moving right on into the show. Yes, this 2023 season came and went like a blink of an eye, folks. I'm telling you, it was just a great season. It was back-to-back -back racing virtually every weekend. We had a couple of rainouts, but not very much. You know, we just ended up shifting the schedule. But guess what? It was fantastic racing all the way throughout. We had the Roy Ross Memorial. We have that every year at the racetrack. That was well-attended event, as always. Uh, really good racing put on by all all the IMCA drivers during that special. It was rained out. It was supposed to run earlier in the year. However, that day it just rained. It would not let up. Just prior to the event, the skies open and just whoosh. But we ended up rescheduling it. I believe we ran that on August 19th. It was a fantastic event. That one was really, really, really good. But first, I want to thank all of our fans our partnering sponsors, all of the racers at Edmonton International Raceway, the staff and volunteers over all the years, the 55 years that the racetrack has been in existence. There's not too many racetracks that could actually boast that claim, folks, but guess what? We can out here. And by the way, we are NASCAR's only sanctioned track in Western Canada. And I want everybody to stay tuned to all of our channels, we're going to have some major announcements coming up for the 2024 season, including the uh, Pinty Series event here at Edmonton International Raceway. Stay tuned to our website, edmontonraceway.com, or our Facebook or our Instagram channel. We're all going to put it there. And also, I will be mentioning it also on future episodes as news comes more and more available for the 2024 season. 
Okay, I'm also going to talk about our test drive packages. Yes, we have the ultimate racing experience at Edmonton International Raceway. This year's test drives sold out. They were phenomenal, well attended as always. It was a great, great year once again for our test drivers. Not only the test drivers, but also the workers behind the scenes. We had some eventful moments. We had a few things. It was great. We had a lot of fun. That's the key thing is we had fun. And that's the whole point. When you come out and enjoy this test drive experience, not only do you get the race car experience where you're driving around the racetrack, but you also get two free race tickets to a future event at Edmonton International Raceway. But you also get a commemorative photo of your experience at Edmonton International Raceway because, as they always say, memories fade, but you also got that picture that lasts quite a while. So there you go. You get a digital copy of it. You could print it off like a buddy of mine did with his. He printed it off, and he has it on his desk at work. He absolutely loves it. I'm hoping to have a episode with some of our test drive participants on with me so we can explain to everybody how the test drives are and what a great feeling that it is. But once again, uh, it's th this time of year, we have to look forward to next season in 2024. So with that being said, you can book all of your test drive experiences online at edmontonraceway.com. Last year, or sorry, yeah, it was last year, we actually rented a retail space in the, um, the Edmonton Airport Outlet Mall, which is just outside the city limits in Nisku, just by the airport, the, um, the Edmonton International Airport. We ended up having a very good success rate there. It was well attended, well received by not only the people that actually went to visit our booth that we had set up there and purchased tickets and stuff like that, but actually mall management invited us back again. So we were there a little bit during the beginning of this season to drum up some more business for the test drives as well as sell more race tickets. But we're also going to do that again in December. They're allowing us to do a retail space for the entire month of December. So from December 1st until the end of the year, we're going to have another retail space located, hopefully by the food court like we were last time. That was a perfect spot. Um, there uh, in December. So again, that's the whole month of December. You could come in and you could buy your test drive packages. You could buy your track swag. Yeah, we had track swag t-shirts. We had hats. We got a whole bunch of stuff that we're going to have there also. Again, you could purchase race tickets. You can get your season passes. You could uh, get that at the retail location in December, or you can get that all available 24-7 online at edmontonraceway.com. All right, now moving on to a couple of race events that we had. Yes, our hit-to-pass. We ran three hit-to-pass events. Three, let me get my fingers right ready. Three hit-to-pass events. That was awesome, well-attended. Again, the hit-to-pass is just a demolition derby on the racetrack. I don't know how many events we're going to hold in 2024, but we're sure going to be doing that once again. One thing that we did this season for the future stocks, we actually – threw the future stocks into a major race. We threw them in there with more laps than they ever accomplished. These kids put on a fantastic show from all the competitors, from the drop of the green flag, I believe we let them go for about 50 laps, and they usually do 25 at the very most. So they ran 
50 laps. I believe it was that night. I'm sure if my broadcast colleague, Alan, will say, no, we ran this many. And I'm like, okay, Alan, I apologize if I got it wrong. I don't have my notes from the race, so I don't have it written down, but I'm only going by memory. I believe it was 50 laps from the drop of the green till the checkered. They, they raced each other with respect. They raced hard. What a fantastic race. They got a standing ovation at the end of the, of the end of the night. They just, the fans just went absolutely crazy for these young kids who don't even have their driver's license yet. That's what the future stock class is all about. They fantastic. All you guys and girls in the future stock class. It was my pleasure to be alongside Alan to watch you guys and actually call your races. Keep up the fantastic work. You guys are great. Keep on going. Keep on going. All right. Moving right along. We had the Bear 300 ran this time again. Yes. In July, it was fantastic. The Bear 300 this year was won by Mark Antoine Cameron once again in dominating fashion, making him a back-to-back -back winner of the Bear 300 at Edmonton International Raceway. Um, the Pinty season is now officially over as well. That wrapped up a couple weeks ago, I believe. Um, and Trayton Laptovich, well, uh, Trayton, congratulations, buddy. You are the new champion of uh, the NASCAR Pinty Series, and you dominated. He actually dominated, folks. He had the most wins this season out of everybody. I think there was only three or four drivers in total that won races in Pinty series this year and Trayton wins what he won the most he dominated dominated uh that entire race season so congratulations to Scott Steckley uh team uh I believe it's team 20 uh, 22 racing sorry um sorry Scott and uh teammate Alex Tagliani Alex you won a race also it was my pleasure to see you again here at Edmonton International Raceway we had a chance to chat briefly before and I was down in your pits uh while you were practicing and stuff like that you guys were playing with the car and that I stayed a little bit behind I actually just wanted to be a fly on the wall and thank you guys for having me in your pits again I also spent some time with Mark Antoine Cameron when he was down also Thank you, Mark Antoine, and your team for allowing me to spend some time in your pits as well. And I met another counterpart by the name of Sebastian. Sebastian, how are you, bud? You're also known as Mr. Smiley with your race team. So there you go. We had something in common there. But the Pinty's race was fantastic. Again, dominating fashion by Mark Antoine Cameron. And once again, congratulations to the new champion, Trayton Lapovich. Uh, next season is going to be fantastic. Again, uh, just hang on for news regarding that. And I hope once again that I get to spend some more time in the pits with uh, with Tag and, and Colin Livingston and all of uh, Alex's crew. And uh, hopefully I'll have some interviews this time. I had to have my phone playing music for everybody, folks. And unfortunately, I didn't have a camera with me, so I had no footage of the time that I spent. I in the pits and I do apologize for that it's just my I'm DJ also at the racetrack and my phone had to be used to play some tunes but I do apologize for that the day before the Pinty series race we ran a, a we always run a double night back-to-back -back racing event featuring our home track drivers on the Friday prior to the Pinty's race and this year was absolutely no exception we actually featured a late model invitational race where there were some Pinty Series drivers 
that was joining us in the field driving our late model race cars, which are different than the Pinty series cars. So they were actually allowed to do this because it wasn't necessarily practice for them. So that was the cool part. That race was like the whole night was just great racing from start to finish. All the heat races were really, really tight run. Uh, the feature, the mains were just fantastic. But the feature that we had that night was a, I believe it was a 75 lap late model feature. And it was won by, by uh, former Pinty's driver, Brett Taylor. Uh, from down in Calgary, Brett, it was awesome to see you down at the track again. You, you ran a really good race. You ran a really hard race. Our track champion, two-time champion now, I could actually say that. The Ram man, Mike Ram, came in second in that race. And uh, Dexter Stacy, current Pinty Series driver, he came in third in that race. Now, let me tell you, folks, that Feature 75-lap race was not a cakewalk by any means. All the competitors, just all it was just battle, 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 battle. But you know what? They raced each other with respect. It was aggressive. Um, our current track champion, Mike Ram, put on a fantastic performance. And he gave Brett Taylor everything he could. Uh, but Brett Taylor, Brett just managed to win the race. And it was just Fantastic. But the fans went absolutely crazy, crazy with that one. It was just, oh, great, great racing, period, period. If you didn't make it out to any of the races this season, folks, I got to implore you, come on out. You guys are missing the best entertainment dollar ever. You got to come out to EIR in Wetaskiwin again, uh, EIR short for Edmonton International Raceway in Wetaskiwin. We're just a short drive. From the south side of Edmonton, just go right past the Edmonton International Airport, go past the city of Leduc, follow the signs when you get past the city of Leduc. You'll see, and even if you take the highway two to two A to Millet, scoot through that way, you'll see the signs. Edmonton International Raceway. We're just a short drive from the city, folks. Come on out. We've had, well, this year, we had people from New Zealand in attendance, and they had a blast. Murray and his family came up. They took our test drive experience package, and then they stuck around for the next night, for the night of racing, and the whole family had a blast. Murray came up to me in the race tower afterwards and thanked us for the wonderful show that we put on for not only his family, but the, all the fans in attendance. If you haven't been out to EIR in a long time, folks, you got to come back out. Seriously, you really have to come back out. Steady improvements are being made at the racetrack exponentially. Exponentially. It, you got to come out. I can't say it enough. Now I'm going to move on in the show. I'm going to go over our final standings for 2023. And here we go. No particular order, I'm going to start off with our stacker cars. Now, our stacker cars, if you haven't seen how the stacker cars are, ladies and gentlemen, it's two cars on top of each other. This is really cool, okay? So you got the two cars on top of each other. The person up top is the wheel man or wheel woman, if you, if, per se. Ooh, just go wheel person. Person up top is the wheel person. Person on the bottom controls the brake and the gas. There is no communication between these two 
people. Let that one swim in your mind for a while, okay? So, after stacker events all season long, the only consistent was Dave Patterson. He had many different people with him. He had Mike Ram, he had Johnny Peters with him, and he had his daughter Mercedes Patterson with him. So, all four, congratulations. That's Dave Patterson, Mercedes Patterson, Mike Graham and Johnny Peters were awarded champions of the stacker car class driving the number 95 car. The IMCA modified champion for 2023 is car number 12 of Chad Malone. Chad, fantastic racing out of you in the entire division. Fantastic. Congratulations for being EIR's 2023 IMCA modified champion. Moving right on, again, our hit to pass. We crowned a champion for the Demolition Derby. Yeah, because we ran three different events throughout the year. So with the three different events throughout the year, 2023 champion for EIR's hit to pass division is car number 60 of Dave Pattison. Dave, two championships for you, buddy, in two different classes. Congratulations once again, Dave. All right. Now, moving on over into our mini cups. I always say that they, these kids are, might be small on stature, but they're big on heart and they're just as competitive as the big kids. So, our mini cup champion for this season is car number 76, Carson Malone. Now, Carson actually had a special sponsor. On his race car for this entire race season. He had the what? No way guy as a sponsor. And guess what? The what? No way guy was at Edmonton International Raceway. I got ended up picking up some swag out of his uh, out of his tent. I got one of the one of the uh, bands here and I got sticker, which is now here. So yeah, Sean, he was out. It was great. If it, if you guys don't know who he is, he's really funny. You gotta look him up. He's on Facebook, uh, TikTok, YouTube. It's uh, just search him up. Go what? No way, guy! And bang, you'll find him. He's right there. He's great. Um, so Carson sported the sported his colors and everything. Carson won the championship uh, for the mini cup division. Awesome job, Carson. That was a great season you guys had in mini cups. Ryland Statham took took home the rookie of the year. And Ryland, congratulations. And that's car number 14 in our mini cups. All right, I'm moving right along into the NASCAR late model division. Now, most of our NASCAR late models are track-owned vehicles, ladies and gentlemen. We have an arrive-and-drive program for our late models where you don't really need to be concerned about ownership of the vehicle or maintenance of the vehicle. The track takes care of it. So all you need to do is just pay for the rental of the car. You come on out and race, just like Cameron Med did. He raced the number 10 that Brett Taylor drove on the day before the Pinty Series. Dexter Stacey was in one of ours as well, uh, which was the number 55. Brian Watts was driving the number 96, Eric Ethering's old car. He was driving that one as well. Uh, Mike Sawyer, Iron Man Mike Sawyer, drives the number 22, which is also a track-owned vehicle. And for the second year in a row, the Ram Man, Mike Ram, 2023 
Edmonton International Raceway and NASCAR late model champion. Congratulations, Mr. Ram. You put on a great show the entire season. It was great driving that number 18 car. We weren't sure if you were coming back out or not, but you know what? You came out and defended your championship in dominating fashion. Our future stocks, you heard me talk about the future stocks very briefly. They put on a great show this entire season, all the way around. Car number two, Abel Beefus. Congratulations, Abel. You are future stock champion for 2023. Congratulations, Abel. Thunder cars. I raced with this gentleman before. Strong competitor, really, really nice guy all the way around. Car number 36, Mitchell Bushnell. You are the NASCAR Thundercar 2023 champion. I'm looking forward to having an interview with Mitchell. Hopefully, when his work schedule clears and in the very near future, I want to have him on so we could discuss his championship in the Thundercars as well. So congratulations, Mitch. Uh, that was fantastic season for you, buddy. You worked hard. Uh, last last year, you had hiccups with the car. This year, not so much, but it still was a really good season, and it was an interesting season. Now we're moving on into our NASCAR Pure Stocks. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the Pure Stock division is one of our most toughest and competitive divisions that we have at Edmonton International Raceway. We have lots of cars that come out in this field, so it's very, very, very tough. Competition is fierce in this division. 2023 champion is Lucas Belbeck. I can't believe this young man. What a, what a season. I saw him progress from futures and go into the pure stocks and walks out with a championship this year. I hope everybody's going to enjoy the interview that's going to be coming up very shortly with Lucas and Jeremy Belbeck and uh, that entire division. Again, they did not disappoint the fans whatsoever, ladies and gentlemen. That is our NASCAR pure stocks. So congratulations, Lucas. With that being said, I'm going to introduce my guests. I have Roundtable Racing's Lucas and Jeremy Belbeck. Welcome to the show, guys. Hey, nice to be here. Yeah. First of all, thank you for getting the, the last name right. Most people say Bell back, but you, you got her Bell back, so good job. <laughs> I've been working on it all season long. I've been the one that's been coaxing <laughs> Alan to say Bell back, Bell back. It's not <laughs> Bell back, it's Bell back. Yeah. You didn't get us mixed up with Beefus tonight, so that's a. That's <laughs> that, a <laughs> that was another one, too, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, first of all, um, Lucas, congratulations. You are the NASCAR Pure Stock Champion for 2023 at Edmonton International Raceway. There's proud dad, absolutely. How does that make you feel, buddy, after the season you started off having? It feels amazing. The start of the season was a bit rough getting used to the car and the pack racing, but as the season went on, it was amazing. Lots of fun. It was just I think it was perfect for a second year. I would say it was perfect for the second year, although you had a little bit of difficulties when your original car, you know, kind of had some difficulty, shall we say? Yeah, uh, I think like four races in, head gasket blew, and uh, yeah, when we fixed it, we couldn't get it fully done. Well, we did, it had a knock, but, and then Bushnells came, 
to our rescue pretty much and gave us a car to finish the season with. Yeah. Right, right. And that was great on them for sure, for sure. Um, Jeremy, how does it make you feel knowing that you got a champion sitting beside you in one of the <laughs> toughest classes at Edmonton International Raceway because of the competition? It's uh, it's pretty humbling, actually. I mean, for 15 years old to come out there and, and knock it out of the park like that. And, you know, you go from uh, future stocks last year where they had six cars on the six, to eight cars on the track. And then, like Lucas just said, you know, getting into the pack racing. It's a totally different look out there. And um, just to, to see the confidence build over the first, you know, half dozen races. And then all of a sudden it just, you know, things started to click and hitting lines and, you know, becoming more aggressive, which is, I mean, a big part of that to, to be successful in there. You just see all the little bits and pieces start to come together. And yeah, it, it's pretty amazing. I'm, I would say to watch it from the sidelines, but to be in the, in the other car and watch it from uh, the windshield, the taillights just disappearing from you corner after corner after corner. It's, it's pretty awesome to see. And I'm so super, super proud of that kid. So yeah, absolutely. I would be also. Uh, and your season was great. was not too bad either. You had a really good season. You finished fourth in the points yourself. That's very respectable, Jeremy. Yeah. I mean, I, I've never raced circle track before. Growing up when I was his age, you know, we were, we dabbled in, you know, kind of, uh, you want to call it street racing? Not really, but you know, the old school go out and paint lines on the highway and drag race sort of thing. And we had no internet, we had no no nothing. You had Hot Rod Magazine and, and uh, you know, hopefully somebody to kind of guide you along the way. And you go play with carburetors and tune this and monkey with that. So, I mean, that's kind of where I cut my teeth. But, yeah, it's it's a totally different world turning left instead of just going in the straight line. So, big learning curve for myself. And you think, well, it's not that hard. You just turn left. But, yeah, there's more to it than that. If you miss that mark in turn one i mean it takes you till turn four to make up for it and then you're playing catch up again so yeah absolutely for sure for sure definitely and that's the funny thing when we i'm happen to wear the nascar test drive experience shirt and when you just mentioned it's not as easy as it looks that's exactly what these people that take this test drive experience <laughs> say when they get out of the car they're like it looks easy when you're sitting up there watching it on tv when you get behind the wheel what a different ball game that is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Now, Lucas, you've just been crowned the champion. It's not even been a full month yet. Has people changed their attitude towards you at school, like your fellow classmates and stuff like that, when that started getting around? Um, a couple people have noticed, but it's, Truly not, I don't know if it's big enough yet. It's, I feel like it's a big accomplishment for myself. Others may not see that, but I think it's pretty cool, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Jeremy? Or what about, I know you're at Kitmo and everything. Has that attention brought extra business to you as well? Uh, I wouldn't say extra business, but I mean, the people that, you know, you shared on Facebook and, and there's, people that you haven't talked to in years that, you know, fire off congratulations and little conversations here and there. And the guys at work that know what's going on, I mean, you know, they come and talk to me about it and they're like, oh yeah, what about this? What about that? And, you know, they're asking all kinds of questions and, and everybody's interested in it, right? But mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah, I mean, unless you sit in the car and, and you experience it yourself firsthand, it's it's tough to uh, to really appreciate how big of an accomplishment it actually is. Absolutely, for sure. Um, I had a question in regards to the aggression and the aggressiveness of the pure stock division because it is a very aggressive division of a lot of beating and banging. I mean, those cars are going clean, and but at the end of the season, they're not clean any longer. <laughs> um, Lucas, what was what did it feel like adjusting to that type of style of racing? I mean, when you were in in future stocks, you guys beaten and banged, but not as much. You guys gave a you still were aggressive, but you had a little bit more respect and there was only, you know, a little bit more car count. You know, you only had six to eight cars on, on a given night and then bang, you're thrown into a pure stock with, you know, dozen, maybe more. So, and it's a different style. How'd you adjust? Um, from coming from future stocks, there was like no contact. You'd be like a black flag. If you hit anyone, it was, the first night was odd because you see people bumping and you don't really want to wreck your own car. Like, which I, I feel like that's a natural thing. But as the season moved on, I, I noticed you can use it to your advantage a little bit. Like a little bump can make someone move a bit forward and you can get a, like an advantage over them. It wasn't like the hardest thing to adjust to. It was just as you move in, you have to, you have to, um, I don't know. It was just natural as it went on. Um, yeah. You see everyone else do, you have to do it as well. Cause if you don't, you're going to fall behind. Right. Right. Totally understand. <laughs> and Jeremy, flip side of the coin, you were straight line, you jump over into the circle track and you, and you had some good rivalries there happening with the <laughs> drivers this season. Um, Tyrell being one of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but hey, I mean, at the end of the day, nothing, you know, shook hands and everything was good, right? But how'd that, like, how'd that work for you? Like, wrap your head all around all this and that? Um, I guess to go in at the start of the season, I, I didn't go in expecting it to be rough like that. Like, you know, you watch it and you see a little bump here and there and, and whatever else. And then we got... I don't know, we were probably four races in and Don Rundle had come to me and he said, you know, as long as you leave a car width between you and the wall, like if somebody's driving on the outside, you can squeeze them. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, just don't push them into the wall and and you can push that line up there. Like if don't let, don't let the guys drive around the outside of you. I'm like, oh, okay, well, sounds good to me. So, you know, as, as we went on, I mean, Tyrell likes to take the outside line and I, I'm not super competitive, but as soon as that helmet goes on, it's just like, okay, you know, almost like Jekyll and Hyde, and it's like, all right, it's go time, right? Yeah. So then, you know, you're going to come around the outside. I'm going to, you know, he's going to pass me, but I'm going to make him work for it. And I, I guess a couple of times we got tangled up there, you know, not intentionally, I'm sure. And it just, that's how it worked out, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I know most of the time guys will come around like, um, Oh, 37 there. He had a green and green and blue car. Gary Garvey. Gary, yeah, Gary Garvey. He'd come around, you know, we'd, we'd get bumping a little bit there and he'd come on the inside and I wouldn't know he was there. And I, I come down into him and, you know, always afterwards he'd come up and shake hands and they, oh, I, I didn't know you were there. Right. I thought you were, thought you knew I was there or whatever else. And, you know, you shake hands and you just kind of laugh about it and move on. But yeah, it's, 
is definite learning curve, a real steep learning curve for myself. Again, like first first season out, uh, you know, turning left. So it was it was a lot of fun. Learned a lot, and uh, you know, hopefully improve for next year. Oh, I, I, you you only get better with time. The more seat time you put in, <laughs> the better you're gonna get. So keep right on going. Keep right on yeah. going. I got one question for the for the both of you again um since this is usually how it goes when i usually have a tag team like this um we're gonna give this to lucas first lucas what was your toughest race that you've competed in since you were in futures then jumped up to pure what was the toughest one i feel like the toughest one there was a night where i was chasing number seven there i chased them all night it was a feature race i don't know what weekend it was mm. But I think I chased them for probably 25 laps. It was a very long time, and I just couldn't get around. And I had to just I was I wanted to just like go on the outside, but I I knew I my car wasn't fast enough to get around, so I had to just be patient and wait for some like them to mess up. So I feel like that one was the toughest one to race in. Right, and this was this this season in 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 the, the pure stocks. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so number seven, that's Jessica Carbone. Yeah. This was also her, this was her rookie year also. Yes. Yeah. In, in that class. Um, okay, Jeremy, say, uh, now it's your turn. <sighs> Probably the, the very first feature race, just nerves and, you know, not sure exactly what to do and, and all of that. Um, I mean, we got Bushnells on our side, so, you know, they're, Mitchell's a great coach in pretty much everything he puts his hands in and you know he'll talk a guy through and do this don't do that you know watch out for this and all the rest of that stuff but it's just you know you just cut your teeth and re throw yourself right in the mix of it and and run with that so i think that was probably the the toughest one um yeah the rest of them i mean there's challenges all the way through but but just for overall just toughness. I, I think that was probably the, the hardest one for me. So, oh, okay. Fair enough. <clears throat> Fair enough. Uh, let's see. I had another question. Oh, shit. Just went out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh, now I got to pull out, pull out the old notes. Hang on a second here. Uh, did that one. Okay. There we go. Oh, there we go. There we go. Who's been your role model? both on and off the track and that questions again to both of you hmm. start off with uh we'll let we'll let dad answer that one go ahead jeremy oh role model off the track i would have to say my dad probably um yeah i mean when i was his age i think my i had old my old chevy truck and he helped me tear it down and rebuild it put it back together and you know i, I he taught me everything he knew about mechanics and you know, there was a lot of life lessons, everything in there too, you know, patience and persistence and, you know, all, all the good stuff there. He's kind of the uh, philosophical farmer, lots of time driving around circles in the, in the field there. So lots of, lots of knowledge um, inside that man's head. And then on the track. Hmm. I never really thought about that one. I don't know. We, we've watched, watched lots of um, videos and all the rest. Probably, you know, you listen to some of the older racers talk 
when Earnhardt Sr. was pretty wise and and everything else there is a watch a lot of his races and listen to a lot of what he talked about and read a bunch of the stuff written about him and, and his knowledge and, and philosophy and racing and that kind of stuff. So he's probably had a, a fairly big influence on me as far as racing goes anyway. Awesome. Awesome. Your turn, Lucas. Off the track, right, right off the bat, it would have to be my dad. He's taught me <laughs> everything I know. He's always been there like every minute of my life. <laughs> Um, I don't know. It, it, no hesitation. He's definitely my role model. On the track, it would have to be Mitchell Bushnell. He, he's taught me everything I know about racing. Like from the start, he was always there to coach me or like show me what to do. Also, they gave me a car for this season. Like he's probably number one for the track. Like he's definitely my role model there. Awesome. Awesome. And Mitchell himself, he is now also the 2023 NASCAR Thundercar champion. So congratulations, Mitchell. I've also got a, I've also sent him a message too, to get him. I'd like to get him on the podcast for sure. So we talked about that last season. So now I definitely want to get him on this season <laughs> for sure. Um, what do you guys think about the behind the scenes and pit atmosphere that a lot of our fans don't get a chance to see we've been called the, the racetrack family how has that racetrack family embraced you guys and what do you guys think of that the the experience in the pit is something no one will like no one will know unless they've been there in the pits like it's something like you it's no other like you won't get it anywhere else. It's the people you meet there are just amazing. You can learn so much just being in the pits. Like even with just a pit pass, not racing, you can learn like why like cars do this, what people are thinking. Like it's just a learning experience to be down there. Yeah. Your turn, Jeremy. You got anything to add to that? <laughs> um, yeah, it's they call it a family, and and that's exactly what it is. I mean, we experienced that, you know, probably the third race or third weekend in last year. You know, something goes wrong, and everybody jumps in to your aid, and they help. You know, or you watch guy blow a tire. I mean, everybody within you know a sprinter's distance when as that car pulls in, they're pulling jacks and rolling tires and. And helping out to get that car back on the track, you know, as fast as they can, whether it's somebody their drivers competing against or not. I mean, it's it's all for love of the game, is you know, it, it is exactly what it is. And and it doesn't matter what color your car is, somebody is going to jump in and help you out. Or if you're having trouble with setup, I mean, guys are always able to or willing to come over and and help with uh, you know knowledge or. You know, last time I was doing that, this was the case. You know, check this, check that. And, you know, it's, it's, everybody wants it to be a competitive experience. And if somebody's keeping secrets, well, then that's how you take away from that. So, I mean, there's always a few secrets here and there, but for the general gist of it, everybody's willing to help each other out, which is, is really awesome. Right. And that's grassroots racing. That's what we do at the home track. And a lot of our fans comments are, this is like an experience I have not seen on TV. You don't see them do this on TV. You don't see them do that on TV yet. 
you guys run it so totally different and our fans just get that experience and they want more and they keep coming out, coming out, coming out. What do you guys been thinking about the fan experience over the past, well, couple of years, three, three years or so? I feel like as the track evolves, it'll get better and better for fans to be there. And I feel like getting people in the doors is the most important thing at a racetrack, just getting people to experience it. Then not that they'll come back, but they'll enjoy it more and their kids will get into it. Maybe they'll get into it. Like it's, it'll grow the racing population as the track evolves. Jeremy, yeah. anything to add? Yeah. Like the, uh, the meet the drivers session that uh, Ron Loretta have put into place. I think that's fantastic. Like, the fans can come down and see like, Hey, you know, this guy's no different than I am. And you know, it, it connects the fans and the drivers a little bit more. And then, you know, you can get fan favorites and they under, maybe not understand, but they see a bit of rivalries going on and, and that kind of stuff. I mean, whenever fans come down for me, I try and make sure like stick your kid in my car, take the pictures and, you know, get the kids involved and happy and wanting to come back because, you know, kind of the McDonald's idealism there, make it a place your kids want to go and the parents will go too because the kids are happy, right? So, I mean, that that's what I try and do for the track there. I mean, Ron and Loretta run a pretty good show there and they treat us fairly well. So, I mean, I'm trying to give back that way and then go out and just race hard and, and make sure, or at least try to make sure a guy puts on a good show for everyone that comes out. And that you guys definitely do. You guys put on a really good show, race in, race out, no matter what. And you, you mentioned, Jeremy, putting the kids inside the race car. Once the kids get inside that race car, they, they want more. They want to come back out. And then it's like, then the parents get want to actually, okay, let, I'll get in the race car because that's how I got in. Uh, Jim McIntosh let me hop into his race car when he had a late model out there a few, when I first started going out to the track seven years ago and I started, a, he let me start up the engine, the whole works. And I'm like, I got to do this. I've been a fan for too long. Get me in the seat. And the next thing I know, I'm taking the race school. I'm driving a thunder car and then damn COVID hit and then pure stock. So yeah, get the, and the drivers, we definitely need more drivers for sure. The drivers are going to bring the fans. Yeah. Is there anything else you guys could think of that us at the track level can do for more fan interaction to bring more of the fans in? Um, I feel like the car meet that happened halfway through the season this year, I feel like one or two of those could bring people in. Like even at the track is good, like have it, easily accessible for people to get there, look at what's happening. Even like while they're there, they can go in and see how the like track runs. It's like, I don't know, it something to get fans interacting with the track more. Cool. Cool. Jeremy. Um, I'm not sure what it's called, but a few of the guys have talked about where they bring, there was just like a shootout race street cars on there and they, they just race like two laps against each other and then the winner moves on and then you, you just keep racing until you've you got one one man standing and there's guys like you can, there's there's most of them are just street cars that they bring out. You know, maybe on a, you have that just as a special event once or twice a year sort of thing. 
Um, I wish I could think of what it was called, but it's fairly popular out east, apparently. Yeah. And uh, yeah, guys just come out and they they stage them too wide and they they run one race or one run one lap, and then when they cross the start line, then they kind of switch positions. They inside goes outside, outside goes inside, and then it's a sprint to the finish there. And it sounds like it's fairly well uh, well received out east, at least. Anyway, it would be interesting to see how many people jump into that one. Yeah. yeah, that sounds pretty cool. We did a qualifying session when I was running Pure Stock in my first year. First year? Yeah, first year Pure Stock that way, um, yeah. where it was two cars lining up. That was fun. That two-lap shootout, winner moves on, and yeah. your your starting position was established from that little shootout. But, hey, you never know. I know Ron and Loretta watch the podcast, and, you know, we talk on a regular basis. So, you know, that may be something to look at in the very near future, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Speaking of the future, now, Lucas, what's next? Um, <laughs> Thundercar. Thundercar. Yeah. Oh, here I knew, yeah, get in behind that V8. Yep. Yep. No? So do you have one already being built, or do you? Not currently. We're, we're searching current, like, for one right now. Currently searching for one. Okay. Do you have a body style in mind? Or are you going to go with a Mustang? Are you going to go with a, a Chevrolet Monte Carlo, Mercury? Like, which one are you thinking? Thinking a Mustang. Yeah. Oh. One of the Fox body style Mustangs, one of the older ones? Uh, we're looking for newer, but if we can't find one, then it'll be a Fox body. Yeah, yeah. newer, definitely. Yeah. Since they're yeah. a total strip down anyways, right? Yeah. Yeah. And what about yeah. you, Jeremy? Are you going to stick around in pure stock or like what? As long as I'm allowed. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll come out there and give her a run again next year. And, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy it. And, you know, I'm at the track anyway, pulling wrenches for, for Lucas here. So what the hell? I may as well jump into a car at the same time and, and, uh, have a little bit of fun myself. So. Would you guys consider hopping in a stacker and running one of those? It would be interesting. I think I would, but yeah, if we have the time, honestly. <laughs> we were talking about building one this this winter, but there's a, a few too many projects on the go right now. So yeah, well, well yeah, because well, Thundercar for Lucas, so definitely moving on up and. Yeah. Uh, be racing against Lucas's mentor next year. I'm not sure what Mitchell's plans are, but, uh, you know, I'm sure you'll pick his brain a little bit for sure. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Lucas, you're still a young man and everything, but what is your takeaway from racing to outside of racing? Like what can you take away from the track? that you use in everyday life towards your studies? What Any hobbies you have? Do you do part-time work? Anything that you could take away from the track that's assisting you? I think patience and persistence. So like when you're driving, you have to be patient. You have to wait. You have to just get your chance and take it. Like even if it takes 10 laps or a day, like you can move that into like learning a new hobby. You, you're patient until you get to a point you want where you want to be. Like winning a race, you have to be patient every race. Take your chances and just wait. And persistence, you, it's in everyday life. You have to 
continue, like you have to move forward to get anywhere. Like you can't just quit after one failure. You have to keep going. Yeah. It, I feel like those are the two main things I use in everyday life. Like, and it's from the track that I've learned to enhance those. And what about you, Jeremy? <laughs> he took the words out of my mouth. Um, I, I had a mentor who I was probably 15 or 20 years ago that I sat down with and the old boy smoked a pipe. And, you know, I just, I'd go pick his brain about business and here and there. And, you know, if I had a problem with this or whatever, I'd go and go and talk to him and, and he'd ask him a question and he'd, he'd take his pipe and he'd lean back and make it look like he was thinking he already knew the answer. He'd lean back and take a couple puffs and he'd, he'd look you straight in the eye and he'd, he'd tell you, tell you his answer. And his, um, his secret to success was exactly that. It's patience and persistence. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day. You gotta, gotta take your lumps and just, you know, learn from it and, and keep moving forward. And then again, like patience and or persistence is exactly the same as that. If you quit after one failure or one setback, I mean, then, then obviously you didn't have a passion for whatever you were doing. And that's, that's, you know, that was his secret right there. Don't give up, you know, look after the little things and, and, you know, the, the good will come out of that. It's no different than working on a race car, you know, look after little things and make sure your tires are right and do a bolt check and all the rest of that stuff. And as long as you look after the little stuff, then, then the big things will kind of take care of themselves is what it seems like. So. That's so true. That's yeah. so true. Do you, either one of you have a memorable story or a moment that sticks out in your mind from these couple of race seasons that you want to share with, with all the fans out there? You, you got more than I do. Let me think about that one. Um, probably the night I won my race in pure stocks when after the race, I, that was the night that I was fighting Jessica for first place. I mm -hmm. waited the entire race. And after I got to the finish line, um, the Bushnells and my dad came running up to the car and they were, they were congratulating me, like slamming on the car. Like it was just an amazing moment to experience after such hard work. It was just nice to not, not to be done the race, but to be accomplished that you've won. It was just amazing. What about you, Jeremy? I know you got one or two. I know you uh, haven't been racing a lot, but you know, but <laughs> Probably the most memorable one was the second race of last year. So we had bought an, uh, an old dirt car from a guy down in Calgary, brought it up and went through it for him and, and got it all, you know, fixed up and tuned up and all the rest of that stuff. And first race we went out and he came in dead last, come back in and he was mad because, you know, he didn't know how to pass and he, you know, this was wrong and that was wrong. And it's like, okay, well, I mean, I don't know anything about it. Let's, we'll get a practice in and, and see if we can figure it out. So we phoned Mitchell and asked him to come out with us, rented the track for a couple hours during the week and took that old car out. And, you know, after probably 20 minutes, Mitchell, he's following Mitchell around and starting to hit the marks and getting things figured out. And then Mitchell's like, yeah, I think he's got her. So I don't know, you drove and drove and drove and then, that Saturday, I come out and he hit the track, and I don't think he finished. Well, the two heat races finished first place, and then uh, the feature race smoked everybody. Came in first place with his old 
ranky car and and um actually as he pulled up to the the end line the car stalled out on him yank him out of the car man oh man the grin on his face was like like nothing else there it was it was pretty awesome to see and it's like all right he's hooked right there and i guess this is where the rest of my saturday nights are going to be spent is at the track so it's like yeah there was a, a lot of pride from myself towards him and just to see the you know the pride and um the confidence start to build right there yeah it was it was something else i mean it, it's pretty awesome seeing seeing a kid find their thing and then able to really start excelling at it that that was it right there for me yeah and if my memory serves you actually raced in the parents race in <laughs> lucas's car and yeah how did that experience go for you because i know you won that race yeah, I think it, I took second place, if I remember right. Oh, but, I, I uh, thought you maybe you did, maybe you did. I thought you <laughs> won it, but yeah, oh yeah. I mean, after the second lap, it's like, all right, I see what the draw to this is, and I was sold after the second lap. It's like, all right, I need my own car, but round and around and around, and it's it's like, holy shit, you're starting to get dizzy, and then uh, <laughs> I don't think I took my foot off the gas the whole time come up and we hit the the end of the the track and parked it lucas comes running out and he looks in or he's standing there talking to me he looks and he looks through the hole in the hood he's like oh shit, there's something on fire in there and mitchell's him and mitchell run over pop the hood up and mitchell's like that's not on fire yet but it's sure trying to be in the whole exhaust was just glowing red just <laughs> pushed that poor little car as hard as it would go and yeah i mean that was that was it for me i mean it's like yeah okay my, I see what this is all about, and I'm I'm in too now. So, yeah. And then I started communicating with you on Facebook about that also, and then yeah. here we are today. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 It was, sure. it was pretty awesome. Yeah, I would say, and from my point of view, when I was up there calling it and everything, man, it was great on the from a fan's perspective and from like you know an announcer's point of view. I mean, you guys put on a good show, and there's going to be much more in store for roundtable racing. What is the future plans for actually roundtable racing? What are the long-term goals here? <laughs> um, I feel like for me, uh, the number one goal would be to go into like a NASCAR type type racing or like a you know, GT3 type racing, like Grand Touring would mm -hmm. be like a number one. That's like where I'd want to go. And in the like close future next year would be a top five finish in Thunder Cars for like my personal goals. I feel like, yeah. Yep. All right, and Jeremy, yours? Okay, I'm going to go the opposite direction. So short term, we uh, we're expanding the program. I actually had a, a dad reach out to me and ask if we had a youth component component to roundtable racing, and got to talking in his. 15 year old daughter has fallen in love with cars and wants to get into racing. So we had her and then another kid come out and uh, both of them, I think they made five laps around the track and they're both hooked. So then, okay, we're going to be building two cars for them this winter. And then the original guy was talking to some other dads that he knew and they're like, well, there's three other ones that were like, oh, we want to get our kids involved in that too. So right on. We, we could go from, two cars up to you know six or seven with our name on it 
in various different classes, you know, like we'll probably have three or four kids in the future stocks next year. We'll help them get set up and, mm -hmm. you know, just get them involved in it. And then maybe a couple of the dads are talking, they want to jump in on it too and get them into the pure stocks. So, you know, helps help some some kids out and get them on the track and enjoy something that you know we found that you know really speaks to us and and share the passion there so that would be short term i don't know uh long term you know help support lucas and in, in his goals there to to go somewhere with this i, I think he's got a, a future in it he's got a knack for it and you know the attention to detail and the the ability he's got to to concentrate to like you you can just see it in his eyes when that helmet goes on it's like just laser beam focus and i seen that when he was swimming he'd be you know laughing joking around you get up to the the blocks and as you're stepping on the blocks it's just like that switch flips and that laser focus is there and then you know you get through it and then it's like all right come back out and you can kind of relax a little bit until next time so i mean the the ability is there so we'll support as much as I can for as far as I can there. And then, you know, we'll, we'll see where we get. I, I enjoy the building of the cars as much or more than the racing of them. So, I mean, I, I, I like it and I'm learning everything that I can as far as we go. So, I mean, the more I know, the better I can help along the way. And then maybe, maybe a person helps set up, you know, other cars for guys want to get into racing that don't know how and build her up from there. So support the program somehow. Anyways, guys, it was a pleasure talking to you guys. It's a pleasure watching both of you guys race. Thanks a lot for tonight, guys. Really appreciate Thank it. You. Thanks for having yep. us on. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, that was Roundtable Racing's Lucas and Jeremy Bellback. I hope everybody enjoyed that interview. I had a really good time conducting that interview with, with these two guys. And now it's that time, folks. It's time for that nasty black flag disclaimer. I got to read this out every single time. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed are mine and the guests appearing on Turning Laps, Mr. Smiley, and do not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of Edmonton International Raceway, also known as EIR, EIR's sponsors or racers, my wearer, NASCAR, NASCAR Pinty Series, and their affiliated sponsors. The material and information presented here is for general information purposes and entertainment only. Turning laps with Mr. Smiley, name and all forms and abbreviations are the property of its owner, that is me, and its use does not imply endorsement of or opposition to any specific organization, product, or service. This is the checkered flag, folks. Thank you once again to Roundtable Racing and, of course, a huge thank you to you, the listeners and the fans. Don't forget to like and share the podcast. Stay tuned for the next Turning Laps with Mr. Smiley presented by Edmonton International Raceway and My Word Timing Systems Lap Timers. With hundreds of facilities and racers in Europe already using the My Word Timing Systems Lap Timers and Transponders, this revolution in racing timing systems will soon be available to the North American motorsports industry. Save your money with no annual subscriptions so you can focus on what matters most. Racing. Track or indoor facility owner operators, if you're interested to, in upgrading to or purchasing a MyWare system, including options to increase your revenue stream or even partnership opportunities with the MyWare 
contact trackside.biz at gmail.com or stop by our booth. We're going to be at the PRI trade show in Indianapolis this December 7th to the 9th. So stop by our booth there. Until next time, folks, keep on smiling.